good to be here on the Sabbath day. It is good to have, you know, a respite from the, the week and just to enjoy um, peace and, and safety that at least we currently have right now. Just a wonderful thing, beautiful day outside. I thought it was wonderful, the last song we just sang, uh, Not Many Wise Men Now Are Called, and that's because that is one of the things that I want to really focus on for the sermon today. But I just want to read the, one of the last, uh, the, the last verse here, at least part of it. Even the foolishness of God is wiser by far than man is. Even the weakness of our God is stronger than man is. You know, we're not called because of uh, greatness. We're called, he's called the humble of the world. He's called those who aren't great. Even the wisdom of mankind is to God but foolish. The topic that I'd like to talk about today is about knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. You know, the terms can be used interchangeably, and it's okay in some ways to use them interchangeably, and they are really, in in many cases, used interchangeably. But uh, there are differences. There are differences between knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And there's various nuances, and there's a relationship They have a relationship. They relate to one another. You know, when I first began to study God's word, I, you know, and especially reading Proverbs, boy, I I didn't understand. I didn't know. I didn't, uh, didn't get it. Didn't understand the difference really between knowledge and understanding and wisdom. So in today's sermon, I would like to, or at least the first split sermon, I'd like to examine the differences and relationships between knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. We're not going to cover every detail, but rather simply highlight the differences and how they relate to one another, and then we'll explore really what it means for us. So first, let's look at knowledge. The dictionary definition of knowledge is the accumulation of facts, information, and skills acquired by a person through either experience. So a person can acquire knowledge through experience, through doing something. Or by education, maybe by reading, being taught. Uh, the theoretical or practical understanding of a subject. It's the understanding of a subject or, or the, the knowledge of a subject. The, it might also be said that it's the collection of information and data and the ability to recall it. So that's what knowledge is. The collection of information and data and the ability to recall it. There are two primary ways to grow in knowledge. One is, as was mentioned in the definition, is through experience, through doing something. For example... Let's say uh, driving a car, right? Now, you could read about it because that's the other way. Actually, that's the other way to grow in knowledge is through reading, being taught, learning, education. Now, driving a car, you can either you can read about it for sure. You could also uh, get in the car. I think, for example, when I took my driver's license test, it was actually, you know, I had to get on the road. This was in Virginia. And the person, one of the students that was in the car with us, apparently 
I think she knew, like she had head knowledge of how to drive a car, but I don't think she had ever practiced in her life. And so the very first time that she got behind the wheel was with the driving instructor, me in the back seat and another girl in the back seat. And boy, I thought we were going to die. I'm serious. It, we, we, it was overcorrection, one side, almost off into the dish, boom, almost off into the cars coming toward us on a two-lane small road. Boy, that was scary. So, knowledge, but by the end of the driving session, I don't know whether she passed or not, but uh, I would not have passed her, but by the end of the driving session, she had now learned by experience to roughly keep it, not, not oversteer, roughly keep it in the lane. So through experience, she, uh, you know, grew and, uh, you know, developed the knowledge of how to keep it in the lane. Uh, but also education. Of course, education and reading, being taught, taking classes and so forth, one of the fastest ways to grow in knowledge one of the fastest ways, because it's right there. You, you, you're listening to the experience of others who've put it together in a, in a way that could be understood and that you can, you can read through it and you can see a lot of things through reading and through education that you may not be exposed to for years if you only develop knowledge through experience, right? It's all right there. It's all put together for you. Let's go to Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1 and verse 7. I'm going to use the one on the right, the cup of water. Proverbs 1 and verse 7. Now, God's word is right there in front of us. The mind of God is in print, ready for us to consume. Proverbs 1 and verse 7. The fear of the eternal is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of knowledge. But it says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools don't want Wisdom. They don't want to hear the experiences of others and how that might help in life. They don't want instruction to be instructed on how to live. But the fear of the eternal is the beginning of knowledge. We can learn from others. We can learn wisdom from others. Uh, you know, we can gain knowledge from the wisdom of others. We can learn from instruction. But why is the fear of the eternal the beginning of knowledge? It's the beginning of true knowledge. True knowledge. There's a lot of knowledge out there. There's a lot of information, a lot of data out there. But God's word has true knowledge. True knowledge. God's word is the foundation of knowledge. So the fear of God, by fearing God, we will respect what he says, what he has to say. We'll know that what he has to say is important 
and critical in our lives. If he created us and if he's given us his word, what he has for us is critical and important in our lives and tells us how to avoid troubles and problems. And it's all right here. If we fear God by fearing God, we will take the time to listen and study God's word and grow in that knowledge. It's interesting. Those who, if we reject knowledge, let's turn to, well, we're in Proverbs 1. Let's go to verse 28. Verse 28. Then they will come to me, but I will will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and specifically the knowledge of God, God's word. They hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the eternal. True knowledge comes from God. And God hates it when we reject knowledge, when when. The people reject knowledge. He says in Hosea 4, verse 6, we don't have to turn there, but he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But knowledge, though, so knowledge is the collection of information, the data, and putting it together, and being able to recall it, being able to, to, to use it. This is true knowledge. God's word is true knowledge, but knowledge by itself, when not used, when knowledge is not put to use, especially when not used in an attitude of service and love, it has a tendency to make one arrogant. It can. We think about, you know, many professors and and so forth in higher education. There's a tendency there. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 8. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 1. It doesn't have to. Knowledge does not have to make one arrogant. But it can have a tendency to do that if knowledge is not used properly in love, in service, in outflowing concern in applying that knowledge. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 1. For we know that we we all have knowledge, but knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up, makes arrogant, but love edifies. So knowledge... And taking in information, taking in data, that by itself isn't useful to anyone. We have to apply the knowledge. We have to apply it, and it has to be applied in love. So knowledge is the collection of information and data from education or experience. And the fear of the eternal is the beginning of true knowledge. The knowledge of how to live And about life itself. That's the knowledge of God. How to live and about life. Which is only revealed through God's word. So that is knowledge. Now we'll look at understanding. 
understanding. So the dictionary definition of understanding is the ability to understand something or to comprehend. To comprehend. So here's the knowledge, here's the information, maybe read in a book. But now it's the ability to understand that. It's the ability to comprehend why it is the way it is. It's the power to make experience intelligible by applying concepts. By applying the concepts that have been learned through education. In other words, understanding is really the comprehension of why something is the way it is. And it can only come through putting knowledge into action and experiencing it. So, for example, we, the, the, the girl who drove the car, for example, right? She learned how to drive the car, and we all did, really. But I don't know if she read about it or not beforehand. You can read about it, but it's not until you apply it when you begin to understand how to drive. You can read about the signs you'll see. You can read about how to steer the car. You can read about how to not overcorrect. But it's not until you get in the car and you drive that you begin to understand what you've learned, right? It's the same thing with application of God's word in life. Let's go to Psalm 111 and verse 10. Psalm 111 and verse 10. We have to experience in order to have understanding. We have to put it into action. Psalm 111 and verse 10. And we've heard this before. And this is a principle. This really is a principle. Psalm 111 and verse 10. The fear of the eternal is the beginning of wisdom, and we'll get to that. The fear of the eternal is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they who do... His commandments. We have God's commandments. They're right there in writing for us to read, for us to study, for us to learn from and gain the knowledge of. But it's not until we do them that we have understanding. It's not until we do them and put them into practice in our lives. In fact, you know, when I know for myself and probably for many of us, when we, when God first started working in our lives and we started responding to him working in our lives, I should say, we didn't fully understand why we had to change. We knew that God says to do it, so we make the changes. Maybe for those who came from uh, Sunday to, to keeping Saturday, it could be any change in our life. God says to do it. And we don't maybe fully understand and we see that there might be troubles that come from our change. We're going to lose our friends. We're going to lose our maybe our families. We're going to lose whatever our jobs. And it's so hard to understand. Why? So there's a degree of faith that comes in to act on the knowledge. 
And then we act on it. And through acting on that knowledge, we begin to understand why God says to do the things he does. We understand it. Whereas in the world and before God called us, we, we couldn't understand why God says to do the things he says. I want to read from uh, July, August 2006 LCN article entitled Seven Keys to Mental Mastery by Dr. Meredith. He says, what is understanding? It is different from knowledge, for knowledge connotes merely the possession of facts and information. But understanding is the grasp not only not only of the information of facts, not only uh, it's, it's understanding and grasping that, but of their relations, relationship to each other and their meaning. It is the awareness of the basic laws and principles governing personal, national, and spiritual situations that come up. This is understanding. Taking these facts and being able to see and understand how they relate to one another, how they relate to life nationally, spiritually, and in our personal lives. It usually involves much study, thought, and experience. Understanding does. It enables one to see the big picture in a given situation. I want to read from a, uh, a forum, uh, an online forum. I appreciated the comments made in this, not that you would generally rely on online forums for uh, good information, but I thought this was helpful in the way it was put. Knowledge is something that you accumulate through learning. Understanding is something that you know because you have lived through it. I remember Mr. League used to say, you know, you can talk about that Coke uh, the Coke bottle, right? And the, the Coke in it, oh, and it tastes so great. Sweet, fizzles in your mouth. It's wonderful. But boy, you don't understand what it tastes like until you get it in your mouth and have that taste, right? The, it can't, you can't explain. You can't read how that tastes and understand how it tastes. It only comes through doing it. He gives an example. Someone can show you a cookbook and you can learn about all the ingredients and the process of cooking. But boy, you're not going to understand it until you do it and put it into action. It's the same thing, of course, with God's word. I remember when, uh, when I was working for the company, I was in Atlanta. I was serving them as a technician and I would get to... Someone had mentioned, you know, whatever you do, you you need to read on whatever you're doing, right? And so I said, okay, that's fine. So I started reading our manual. It's a manual about like that. Not, I mean, not a big deal, but you know, it was like that. And I started reading. I'd get to work at about six in the morning, and then we've started working at seven. And I'm starting to read this thing. I'm I'm two years into what I've been doing, right? Something like that. Two years into the job, and I'm reading through this. And boy, I'm letting you know. I did not understand anything 
as I was reading. The terminology, what it was talking about, I had never seen this equipment before. I could not understand. It was, it was like reading Greek, is what it was, right? So I could not understand. And I said, well, I'm going to just, I'll keep pushing through. Push, push through, don't understand what I'm reading, have no idea. And then, I don't know, I don't know how much time passed. But then, ah, I'm on a job right now that, that this is actually talking about. And I can say, oh, I, I understand now what this is talking about. The, the terminology, the pictures of what, you know, what it's showing. This is what I'm working on right now. And eventually, you know, started to say, what am I working on now? And then go to the book and read about it. It made more sense that way, right? But the understanding only came at, for me, it was, uh, it was just a succinct point that, that stuck with me. The understanding only came after working on the equipment. And that was when I could understand it. And with God's word, with God's laws, the understanding can only come from doing it, from putting it into action, from putting it to work in our lives. Without that, there's no understanding. Without putting it into action, it's only a bunch of knowledge that puffs up. And it's interesting, you know, talking with go-tos on the phone and how some of them, wow, they, they may have knowledge, but they're not living God's way of life. And you can see the lack of understanding. <laughs> they can talk, but boy, you can see the lack of understanding. Understanding only comes through living that way. And doing, uh, putting into action the knowledge gained. I think this is a good example. I saw an article a couple of weeks ago, and I was thinking about this sermon, and uh, this stuck out to me. And, and there's so many times, so many articles like this. So that I don't want to get sidetracked with the articles it's themselves and the points of the articles, but I want to highlight a, a, a point here. So an example of knowledge and understanding that that we can have as God's people by putting into action God's word. Whereas otherwise, someone, you know, we can read God's word, have the knowledge, and then apply it. And then have understanding from that, right? Understanding, in, in some cases, could also come from someone not having any knowledge of God's word but having paid attention in life, right, and watched circumstances play out in life, having made mistakes in life, having had hurts and trials and pains and troubles that they probably could have avoided, we could have avoided if we would have read this and then applied it. They can come out on the other end of that and have an understanding of certain biblical principles. So I think that these articles highlight this. The article I read was about uh, gratitude and how gratitude can help with depression, help overcome depression. It was a new study. Uh, here's a, a new study. I don't know if it was the same article, but uh, a Harvard University article based on a study that was done. The title of the article is, Giving Thanks Can Make You Happier. Oh, that's interesting. 
If we apply God's word, we can, we can first have the knowledge that gratitude is the way to do things. We can apply that knowledge and do it and understand the benefits of gratitude. Here's another study, same topic, uh, by Berkeley. How gratitude changes you and your brain. A couple of comments inside the article. Indeed, many studies over the past decade have found that people who consciously count their blessings tend to be happier and less depressed. So it's taken them 2,000 years, 5, 6,000 years to figure this out in these studies. But God's word, it's all right here. Now, studies and research on that is great and fine and dandy and it, it's neat and all that. But I'm saying that if that's the only place where knowledge can come from, boy, you've got to go through a lot of heartache and pain to get there. Some of the subheaders in the article are, Gratitude unshackles us from toxic emotions. Interesting. Gratitude benefits uh, take time. Okay, that's right. You apply it and it just takes time. Gratitude has lasting effects on the brain. The point is, is that God's word says to do it a certain way. He, God's word says that we should be thankful. We can apply that, learn from that, and understand that. Having been revealed in God's word. So when we apply knowledge the knowledge of God's word in our lives, when we actually do it, even when we don't understand why we're doing it, we grow in understanding. Let's go to Psalm 119, verse 99. Psalm 119, verse 99. And thinking about uh, the topics of these uh, research studies. And that idea. Psalm 119, verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, more than those that are out there. We can understand because God's word is true. It is the foundation of true knowledge. And applying that, we can have true understanding. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. And verse 104, through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, that's interesting. What is the therefore, therefore? That's a Mr. Frank uh, quote. I hate every false way because by living it, by knowing it, then applying it and living it, we understand why the other way hurts, why the other way is painful, why the other way causes problems in life and hurts others and hurts ourselves. It only comes through doing it. So understanding is taking that knowledge applying it, and experiencing it in life. Now let's look at wisdom. Definition of wisdom is the quality of having experience, 
knowledge and good judgment, the quality of being wise. Or the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of an experience, of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. In other words, wisdom is the application of the knowledge and understanding we've gained from living God's way over time and using that knowledge and understanding in life decisions to avoid troubles and to increase the likelihood of success and a happy life. It's taking that knowledge that we gain from God's word. It's taking the knowledge and understanding that we've gained through experiencing it, living it, applying it to our lives, and then being able to make decisions with that information. Let's go to Proverbs 9 and verse 10. Proverbs 9, verse 10. Proverbs 9 and verse 10, the fear of the eternal, again, right? The fear of the eternal is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the eternal is the beginning of wisdom. Why is it the beginning of wisdom? Because that's where it starts. Fearing God is the beginning of knowledge. Growing in that knowledge, true knowledge, the understanding of God's word. Growing in understanding and reading and growing in the knowledge of God's word, I should say. Then applying that knowledge to our lives. To grow in understanding of why he says to do the things he says to do. And like David said, when he grew in understanding, he began to hate evil. It was through growing in understanding that we can hate evil because we can see it. We can understand why God says to do what he says to do. Then we can begin to forecast, you know, how, how a situation might play out. Because we've, we've read about it. We've asked God for knowledge. We've asked him to give us that understanding, to apply it in our lives. And we can begin to make decisions based on circumstances around us. I want to read a commentary from Roger Meyer, September 2019, How to Live Life Skillfully. He says, Wisdom is the ability to understand and use true knowledge to deal with life's issues and challenges and live life successfully. It is an ability to accurately assess problems, to discern the best course of action. This is wisdom. To accurately assess problems, to discern the best course of action, and then to act prudently to resolve the problems. Wisdom will help us manage our health, our livelihood, our possessions, our relationships with others. Wisdom will help us have peaceful sleep, overcome fear, and be happy, and have a successful life. That's what wisdom does. It's the application 
of the knowledge. It's the application of the understanding that has been developed by acting on that knowledge. Let's go to James 3. James 3. There are different types of knowledge. I'm sorry, different types of wisdom. There is worldly wisdom and there is godly wisdom. That water on the right tastes great. James 3. Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct. That's interesting. By good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom, opposite of just puffed up knowledge. It is the application of it. It's the understanding of it. And it is being able to look at life and make decisions But if you have any bitter envy, seeking, uh, self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, and full and good fruits. It's from taking that knowledge, applying it, and having developing understanding, and then putting that into action in life, which results in good fruits. Living God's way results in good fruits, and being able to make good decisions results in good fruits. Without partiality, and without hypocrisy. We want to read again from Dr. Meredith's article, Seven Keys to Mental Mastery. He says, Wisdom is the ability to draw on those facts and with understanding make a right decision in a given situation. Wisdom, of course, is the faculty of making sound decisions. Anyone with great wisdom would need at least a good degree of understanding and vision. They would also have to acquire knowledge of the problem at hand and attempt to get all of the pertinent facts. Having the facts and possessing understanding of the past history, trends, and laws governing the situation they face, those who have wisdom must correlate all of these factors and make sound decisions that will be practical and that will actually work, both now and in the future. This is true wisdom. It's wisdom that allows us to project forward and see the conclusion of a matter before it happens. Because we've grown in the knowledge. We've applied that and grown in understanding. You can understand, like David said, I hate evil, therefore I hate evil. As a result of living God's way and having an understanding of why God says what he says. It allows us to see to the heart of a problem without having to know every detail. Which is why sometimes children can have trouble understanding their parents' decisions. Right? There's so much behind those decisions that the child hasn't doesn't have the knowledge of, hasn't experienced yet, 
hasn't grown in the understanding yet. They haven't developed the knowledge, understanding, especially the wisdom to see the end results of their decisions. The child can't see that. It's the same, really, uh, same reason we sometimes don't understand maybe a boss's decision. Or maybe even decisions made in the church by the ministry. Because the boss generally has more experience in various matters. And because of their situation, they've been able to see far more. And they've been able to watch other circumstances play out. And it sometimes can be difficult for us when we, when we have to follow through with a decision that's been made. Because we can't see it. We haven't developed the full understanding and knowledge and wisdom yet. They've learned because of their situation. They've not only uh, learned from their own experiences, but seeing other people's experiences play out, which adds to knowledge, which adds to understanding, which adds to wisdom, and then decisions can be made. So wisdom is the ability to put knowledge and understanding to use in life's decisions to avoid problems and to increase the likelihood of success. So we've reviewed the differences in relationships between knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Uh, So what can we do about it? What does it mean for us? What does it mean? What actions can we take? Well, certainly we should pray, and we all do. Pray for knowledge, pray for understanding, And pray for wisdom. Because true knowledge, true understanding, and true wisdom come from God. They don't come from anywhere else. It doesn't come from ourselves. And God's wisdom, God's foolishness, is far more than man's greatest wisdom. Let's go to Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11 comes through God's Holy Spirit. Isaiah 11 and verse 2. Isaiah 11 verse 2. The spirit of the eternal shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. God's spirit. The spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the eternal. It's through God's spirit that we can have these things. Have true knowledge, true understanding, and true wisdom. God wants us to have happy, fulfilling lives. This is why he gives us his laws and his word. He wants us to live by his laws for our own good so we will then grow in understanding of why he gave us his laws. Then he wants us to put that knowledge and understanding into action and begin to think the way he thinks. Because that's what begins to happen. We begin to think the way he does. 
We can see the troubles before they happen in people's lives or in our own lives, depending on whatever circumstances or situations that come up. We can foresee what will happen and the end results and make good decisions from it. We begin to think the way he thinks, to begin to see things the way he does with the true wisdom that God has and that only comes from him. If we do this, if we grow in knowledge, understanding and wisdom, we'll be preparing ourselves for his coming kingdom and our part in it.